Um, so thank you all for being here. Uh, it's a very special occasion, the uh, 20th anniversary of the Teletubbies. Um, and we've assembled an incredible panel um, that I will introduce in a second. Um, yeah, 20, 20 years. It's been, I, was, I remember the first time I watched, I should introduce myself, that would be better, yeah. wouldn't it? I'm Stuart Heritage, hello, I write for The Guardian. Um, I remember the first time I watched Teletubbies, I was 17, uh, and I saw it in the morning because um, I was skiving from college, uh, and I was convinced it was uh, Japanese. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't get enough of it, like everybody, uh, to, the, to the extent that I actually applied for work experience, and unsuccessfully. So that's a bone I'm going to be picking throughout, throughout the evening. <laughs> it's too late now. Too late now. Um, so, yeah, let me introduce this amazing uh, panel we've got. Uh, we have here um, Dipsy himself... Uh, Nick Chi Ping Kellington. Uh, uh, <laughs> we all have to own uh, Next to him, we have uh, Stephen Deneur, the um, president and COO of. Oh, God, I've forgotten. DHX. DHX, I'm sorry. I'm so, I always said DXH. I'm very bad. Uh, next to uh, Stephen, we have Kay Benbow, controller of CBBS, the best television, the only television channel I watch. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, original Poe, yeah, Poi Fan Lee, the OP. Giving <laughs> <laughs> the voice. And then at the end here we have uh, Daryl and McQueen from Daryl McQueen. <laughs> Billy McQueen and uh, Maddie Daryl, uh, the executive producers. Uh-oh. Thank you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Lovely. So, uh, thank you all for coming. Um, I'm kind of finding it hard to imagine a world that, uh, that Teletubbies didn't exist because that is so iconic and so, um, it seems like such a sort of line in the sand. Uh, luckily, um, Kay here was working at the BBC when um, Teletubbies came into creation. Yeah, I was. So uh, could you talk us through the, the I guess, the pre-Teletubbies landscape? Um, well, at the time, um, there weren't that many shows for the very youngest audience. Obviously, you know, the, the original was, was Play School, um, which is what I grew up on. Um, and then we'd had Play Away. And then the one that was the current one at the time was, was Play Days. Um, you know, all the credit actually goes to Anna and Roy sitting over there um, because I think um, they decided they wanted something different and new. Um, and we'll hear a bit more about that in, in a moment. Um, but I think what Teletubbies did was broke the mould. You know, we had wonderful, wonderful presenters talking to the audience mm. at home and in, in their play school tradition. We hadn't really had big costume suit characters on screen for the very youngest audience. Um, and, and I think the charm of the Teletubbies is the fact that they are children. And I think the audience, the very youngest audience, got it immediately because they saw themselves reflected black, back on screen. Mm. Um, we have another film. Andrew Davenport, uh, the creator, uh, unfortunately couldn't be here. I think he uh, is possibly living on the private island made of rubies that he spent with all the money I've spent on merchandise. Oh, he's alone. working on another show. I know. Um, so, yeah, he, luckily, uh, in his absence, he's created a lovely little film uh, where he's going to talk about the, um, the genesis of the Teletubbies. So I think we should probably watch that next. Yeah, he sums it up brilliantly. Teletubbies came about because Anna Hume 
uh, at the BBC, at BBC Children's, uh, put out uh, uh, an invitation to tender to a number of uh, independent children's producers, uh, asking them to come up with a, a proposal for the BBC's flagship preschool slot. Ragdoll was one of those one of those companies, and so Anne and I, Anne Wood and I, put together a proposal for a program uh, that started out as Telly Teddies uh, and then became Telly Tubbies. I don't think anyone was more surprised than we were when we received the commission. What I think Anna Hume wanted to do is to go back down to, uh, I suppose, the audience that was really the traditional audience of BBC Children when it started out with programmes like Andy Pandy and Bill and Ben and The Wooden Tops, a programme that was looking uh, towards the younger end of preschool. It was really about looking at the world through the eyes of a very, very young child, looking at exactly what they do in their play, what they play with, examining what they're trying to learn about through their play at that time and refine that into television content. Television content with a playful atmosphere with music and rhythms and repetitions in it and that would really draw them in and engage them and engage their minds. That's what we're trying to do. What was exciting about that and I think the light bulb moment for me was when um, I realised that we could just look at what a child loved to do, love to play with, and, and, and therefore what the child was interested in learning, and just make that into a refined form of narrative, stuff that came from my background in uh, child development and language development. These characters needed to have the same physicality as their audience, the same repertoire of moves as their audience. They needed to be able to run around and jump and fall over, do all the things the child can do. And from the start, I knew they needed to be full-bodied characters. And that was quite a big change from what was around in the world of preschool television at that time. And that led to a lot of very significant production decisions, including where we were going to place the Teletubbies, where the Teletubbies were going to live. I knew that Teletubbyland had to be a big open space that we could play with lots of spatial ideas of near and far, here and there, here and not here, which is a really critical one. The notion that things can appear and disappear is always of huge interest to a child and uh, developed into the game of peekaboo at that time. The biggest peekaboo of all, if you like, is the baby sun at the beginning of the show popping up over the horizon as the sun rises. And there is nothing more engaging and nothing that we're more programmed to pay attention to, if you like, than a baby's face. And the sound, of course, of a baby laugh is impossible to ignore. So I thought, well, that's a really good way to start the show. What we hadn't anticipated, I suppose, was what would happen once you'd made a show that really worked with that audience and, and what would be the consequences of it. In those days, the only way to express your concerns to the BBC about the programme was to ring up the BBC and then your call was logged in the what was called the duty log. And that duty log was then made available to producers of programmes. And I can remember the duty log on the first day. It was, there were so many calls uh, overwhelming the people on the switchboard that they'd just grouped them into... Uh, categories. So there were sort of 33 calls that said that Teletubbies was uh, an insult to the intelligence of children, and, and uh, you know 27 calls that said it was infantile and silly, and it just went on like this down the list. And a lot of people are surprised now when you talk about it to know how negative that reaction was, how under scrutiny the programme became. And again, all credit to Anna Hume uh, and the BBC who stuck with the show through all of this. Uh, and, and really, you know, weathered that storm, because it was a pretty big storm. Uh, 
and uh, luckily we have the, one of the eyes of the storm with us. Um, Poi, that must have been quite intense uh, when the media caught on to... I'm getting a bit quite nostalgic looking mm. at those. Um, I can imagine. Those, actually, it's this little snaps, because I know the names of all the dresses and everything, I'm, I was there. Um, yeah, it went from being this sort of idyllic little shoot in a beautiful farm, you know, when the skies are blue, it was, it was like being on a big holiday camp, to be honest. And, and, you know, we did, we ran miles across those hills, really, truly did. And, and then one day, all of a sudden, the media were interested. And then it became this other thing, you know, literally um, people hiding in the bushes, you know, checking out our rental cottages in Cotswolds <laughs> and peeking through the windows and reporting on what we would eating or drinking or whatever. So, yeah, it became this sort of um, this, this, uh, this controversial TV show. Did it really happen that quickly? Was it overnight? Uh, after it was aired, it was quite quick. The, the reaction was really quick, just because there was nothing else like it on the day. Yeah. I don't think anyone had made anything. I remember as well when we first, it was first shown, I was really overwhelmed by it, even though we were in it. Mm. I didn't know what it was going to look like, and it looked fantastic. <laughs> I mean, this was, you know, this was analog telly time. This was dial-up. We yeah. had no Wi-Fi. Believe it or not, young people, we had no <laughs> Wi-Fi, you know. Yeah. The rabbits were named after the Spice Girls because they were <laughs> our female icons of the time, you know. They, they, they're the ones who were, who were, you know, talking about girl power. And, you know, it, it, it was 20 years ago. This was... Groundbreaking, you know, Definitely. it really was. And it really yeah. divided opinion, I think, at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. What, were, what were some of the, the furore? What were the sort of the main thrusts of it? I think it was from people who didn't understand it and sometimes people who hadn't even seen it um, were critical mm. of it. Um, I think the language was always one of the things. And, of course, the irony is Andy's training is as a speech therapist. He absolutely understands how children learn language. And I think one of the biggest fears was that children would grow up and, and not speak properly. Well... That kind of hasn't happened yeah. because Andy knew what he was doing and so did Anne Wood. So I think, you know, it took a while, but I think uh, once people began to understand what underpinned the show and how much care and attention had gone into it, you know, once the helicopters had gone over and there were, I remember there being quite big articles in the uh, Sunday Times, I think, at, at the time and coverage of it. Um, but, you know, as always, it was the children who got it first. And I think once the parents and adults in general realised that it actually this was for children. I remember turning around to somebody at work um, and, uh, you know, they just said, what is this, you know? And I said, well, it's not for you. It's mm. for the audience. That's who it's for. And it works for them. Yeah. Uh, so I think once the adults, as usual, were a bit slow on the uptake, you know, the <laughs> kids got it straight away. Uh, and I mean, I mean, they're really young. And I, I think once yeah. they could see, you know, the joy and the delight that it, it sort of gave to their children, the tide started to turn. But it did take a while. I think it was pretty pretty intense and quite vicious at times. Yeah. Did you personally, did you encounter um, a lot of intrusion? Um, uh, a certain um, tabloid newspaper with three letters, um, you, you know, they, they printed just, you know, mm. just the worst nightmares. You know, you'd open, I didn't open it, someone opened it, showed it, do you know these people, ring this number, you know. Mm. Did you ever go out with one? You know, the oh, things that you wow. would never want. You, you know, you could have the cleanest sheet, but you don't want any ex to ring off and go, yeah, yeah. But, the, you know, there were things like this. But, um, 
yeah, every few days. And, and then all of a sudden, when they realize, actually, it's very popular, people like it, it's ed ed actually subliminally educational. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, all of a sudden, they had a bit of a U-turn. Oh, we love the Teletubbies. Mm -hmm. yeah, so um, it, that was quite a quick turnaround, too. Yeah. But other than that, I think I got off scot-free. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess from a production standpoint as well, it was, it was shot outside, mm -hmm. which must have just been really um, in England it must be incredibly unpredictable I, I still have that thing in the morning is the sky blue because that's that's all we ever wanted and wished for because the, there were days and days of waiting for the weather yeah. to, um, to you know to improve but we did do some stuff inside but in the end when I do see I, you know I know it's not as shiny as the, the new ones but and when I do see the old clips I do think my goodness it, it was a beautiful landscape Mm. And when the sun was shining, it did look gorgeous. It really did. Yeah. Um, was there a contingency for, for drizzle, say? Because I yeah, imagine uh, that would well, make the well, temperature. Oh, sometimes in that, um, Andy, who is just the most amazing mm. person in the world, he wrote every single script. And sometimes, you know, we'd say, it's raining, no, and we haven't got a script. Andy, quickly write a script. <laughs> you know, and poor Andy, <laughs> in his caravan, just <laughs> trying to write a little wow. script. So it was, it was like that. <laughs> much of the time. But everything was very slow, you know, in, in those olden days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess um, I should open this up to everybody because we all know what a success the, the first series of um, Teletubbies was. What do you think of the, the, um, the ingredients that made it take off? Open to anybody. Well, it was about love. <clears throat> it was warm and uh, also extraordinarily funny. So I think uh, that combination and the combination of having four large, colourful characters, and it was set in the countryside. Mm. Quite, you know, and the colour palette, if you look at it, is just... Well, some of it was a bit anarchic as mm. well, yeah. in, a, in a sort of mischievous way as opposed to, you know... Yeah, a, absolutely, a, and a it, damaging it, it, way. you didn't know quite what to expect. Yeah, no. they lived, you know, and it's funny, it's, it was very, if you're thinking about it now, you know, it's 20 years ago, it's very modern, it, you know, it's very much about the present, they lived in the present time, you know, everything about mindfulness and everything now, but it, that's what they were, there were four characters who lived in the present, you know, that's what kids are, they, they, they care yeah. about this, they don't care about what's going on, what's happening now, or what's on their phone, or whatever, but they, mm. they're just living for now, yeah. you know, and I yeah. think that was very yeah. clever of Andy and Anne Wood back mm. then, then to yeah. realise that. Yeah, and they, I, I always remember Anne and Andy saying, you know, in every conversation I've sort of had with them subsequently, you know, they wanted happy children, because if children are happy, they, they, they take things in much more easily. You know, if a happy, a happy child will learn because they're relaxed and, and they feel more empowered. And I think, it was very, I think it was a very empowering series for very young children because they're seeing themselves reflected mm. back. And I think that was really, really important. I think as well, it, it, it felt different to anything we'd yeah. ever seen before on children's television. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just so mm. visually striking and... Mm. It was, it was just totally new, something totally new. Well, and I also think it's, it, it's easy to forget that just that simple innovation of again, again, mm. Um, mm. Was, was a real surprise at the time for anybody who was a program maker, but it makes so much sense if you understand children. young children. Um, someone told me, and I can't remember who, uh, which is embarrassing, uh, but the, the pacing of it was, uh, was slightly different. Um, the telly, Teletubbies 2, 3... Uh, yeah, gap, um, between. yeah, we used to look down the lens and you just used to imagine a child at home and having that complicity with that one child at home. And 
take the time. You know, mm. you have a child. Yeah. For them to absorb that information, for you to get it back, because it takes a bit of time. Yeah. And it's very, very brave, I think, of Andy Davenport. Yeah. Well, he was a linguist, so he understood. And, but to, to bring that, you know, to, to the wide world, mm. I think that's very brave. Um, so we'll move it on a bit. 365 episodes were made between 1997 and 2001. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, Never, never off CBeebies. Is that correct? Um, it, it carried on being shown, and then yes, it, it remained one, one, when CBeebies launched. Then obviously, it was it was part of the the schedule um, because it it never really went away because everybody still loved it as the show for their new children. As, mm. You know, yeah. it works. Yeah. You know, who, um, so yeah, three hundred and sixty-five episodes. I, I don't know that there's ever been that many made of a, a preschool show um, before or since, but. You know that that's a long time, and and I guess you you feel that with the preschool audience, you've always got new children coming through. You're refreshing your audience, yeah. so 365 does feel like quite a, a good number. Mm. A huge and they were quite long in duration as well. They were they were sort of 28 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then um, in 2013, 13. So we acquired uh, we acquired the uh, Ragdoll Library, which of course included the Teletubbies and. In the Night Garden, and a number of other fantastic ragdoll shows, um, and that included the 365 episodes, of course. Uh, and and you may ask why, if there's 365, would we consider making more? Uh, and we had a great discussion and debate about that. But one of the things that we could see, right from when we first started to look at uh, Teletubbies, what we could see is while it was still on the air in the UK, um, it was falling off the air in other territories around the world. Um, some of it was because uh, as we moved into higher quality HD production, um, there, there, was, there was a perception that the show wasn't being refreshed and renewed. So part of our plan right from the outset was to, uh, was to make new, uh, new episodes. And we knew that there was, not just in the UK, but a massive worldwide audience for new episodes of the Teletubbies, or just for the Teletubbies in general, um, uh, and our company is, uh, while we're, um, a, you know, mid-size independent uh, kids content creator, uh, we have been kind of at the leading edge of technology in a number of different ways. And one of them is we're very early adopters of uh, just embracers of YouTube. And we looked into the popularity of Teletubbies around the world on YouTube and saw that there were millions and millions of views of the Teletubbies in places that it wasn't on the air. So we had a, a hard look at that. Um, but we knew that if we were going to consider making new episodes of the Teletubbies, we had to start right here uh, in the UK. And our first conversation was naturally going to be with Kay. And I'm not sure that that was a conversation she was looking forward to having initially. No, I wasn't. <laughs> um, I remember sitting at lunch with Joe Godwin uh, not long after we'd acquired the Teletubbies. And he pulled out his phone and read me an email from Kay that said, find out what they're doing. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Joe said, you better talk to Kay. <laughs> so the next conversation really was, um, if we're to reimagine and remake the Teletubbies, how do you do that? How do you do that in a credible way that, um, that draws on everything that is great about the original uh, uh, and, is not, and, it, and is not a mistake? Uh, so we started that conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, from our point of view, the next step was to look at this creatively. Who, we were, who were we going to uh, involve in it? Who we were going to partner with? What would the approach be? We actually started 
uh, in a, uh, with a number of different strands. One of them was actually doing a full CG test with the Teletubbies, which everybody we talked to said, that's a crazy idea. Don't do it. But we did it anyway. Uh, and it's actually pretty good. But the other thing that we did, <laughs> I do say, the other thing that we did was we talked to our, par our, our partners, uh, Daryl McQueen, uh, and we were working with them on Topsy and Tim. Uh, and we said to them, we want to go to talk to Kay about making new episodes of the Teletubbies. Uh, what would you say to that? How would you approach this? And Billy said, um, you must be crazy. And we ran away. Um, so then we uh, chatted about it and uh, continued to run away for about the next yeah, six weeks. We were desperate not to ruin our company's reputation by killing an iconic global <laughs> brand. Um, and then it started to dawn on us that uh, because it was not shot in HD, that Teletubbies was going to be disappearing off large screens around uh, the world. And we had a little bit of responsibility. And our first option was to um, read a lot of the scripts and then say, well, actually, what you could do is go back, find the rushes. Um, it's currently running at 28 minutes. You could probably halve that to 14 minutes with the original rushes. Um, and then up-res it. And there and you go. bingo, you've got the same series. <laughs> And uh, we Simple gave this brilliant done. idea brilliant back. Answer to it. Brilliant answer. <laughs> Didn't quite work. So, yeah, sadly, it was all shot in video, so you can't up-res anything. Um, at which point, we started to get really concerned that something had to be done to reinvigorate it and revitalize it. And we came up, well, actually. Well, I think the guys at DHX then set us, they said, can we have a call next week? And you can come up with a way that you would like to achieve this series. So this call was coming, kept coming up. The days seemed to keep going by. And we didn't really have any answers at all on how we'd do it. And I, I think we were really mindful of the fact, you know, listening to what Poi was saying, that um, times have changed. We didn't think it would be practical and feasible to go outside and shoot the series in the way that it had been done originally, not least because shows are financed in very different ways these days. And um, when people put a lot of money into a show, they want to know that the scripts that you show them and they have signed off on are going to be what gets on air in the end. So we had to make sure that what we promised we would deliver, we could deliver it. And we were thinking, how are we going to do it in a studio? It won't look real. And it went on and on. And then um, Simon, who's our director of photography, came up with this idea that I have to say I, I didn't fully understand to begin with, where he said, I think you should be doing miniatures. I think you know we have an amazing reputation in this country. Uh, with Harry Potter and such movies of using miniatures to bring um, landscapes to life. And why don't you apply that to Teletubbies? And all I could think was miniature world, eight and a half foot, nine foot Teletubbies. I couldn't see on earth how it was going to work. And I kept being obsessed by the cameras have got to move. It can't be lock offs. And uh, we then went back to DHX and posed this as a solution, saying that we could achieve all of those things with moving cameras. And they said, go and test it. And I think that was really, in terms of where we've ended up with Teletubbies, was such a, a great moment when you guys at DHX said that, because um, you don't get pilots these days, as everybody will know. And we suddenly had this opportunity to take this crazy idea that we believed we could make work and go into a studio and spend quite a lot of your money. Well, well and, and in fact, I think it's one of the most expensive tests we've ever done for a show. Um, 
so if you can imagine, it's green screen with the Teletubbies in their original costumes. Uh, well, one. It's thick. Yeah. <laughs> it was Nick uh, actually in Lala's costume. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and this fantastic scale model set of the Teletubby world, which is about um, what? How many meters wide did you say, Billy? Uh, that four? Is it four meters? The the second one was no, the first the, one, which we said we so, would uh, be Yeah, using. Billy Didn't. promised me that we could use the, the one, the first <laughs> they, one. Then, it was about a meter and a half, two yeah, meters. Two across. meters. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So we've actually got that clip. Should we? Yeah. Well, I think it's. And we were very keen not to do it as a CGI project or watch it as a CGI project come out of Canada, but to focus it on all the UK talent. As good as the CGI test was, we were up for a fight. But and I think the important. other thing that we wanted, sorry, to, to test, um, because I felt that knowing Kay, this would be really, really important, was that even though we were using very cutting-edge techniques, um, very complex CG, very complex previs and visual effects, that when you actually watched it, we wanted people to not be able to see any of that. And actually, it's not distract, uh, detract um, and distract you when you were um, watching the show. And um, that was the big challenge that we set ourselves. How can you watch it and not just keep noticing all the visual effects? Because mm. um, I knew you'd just say... Yeah, and, no. I, and, I, you know, the, and the UK element was hugely important. You know, as CBeebies, we had to be supporting the UK industry, and fortunately you were um, agreeable to that. And I actually did go down to this day to test, because I actually wanted to see it for myself. I come from a live-action background, so I wanted to actually see really and truly what was what was happening and, and whether I really thought it would work. And we were saying earlier that it was quite an exciting day because we all got there, as I say, having spent this ton of money on this model and none of us really... Com we didn't completely know it was going to well, work. Billy assured me it was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and then the cases came out of storage with the original Teletubby Lala mm. costume and head. And it was just such an amazing moment for everybody involved in it at that point. You know, the costumes still looked incredible. And then Nikki Lyons is here today, who was the original costume designer and maker. And we dragged Nikki to get involved in um, the, the reincarnation and refresh of Teletubbies. Um, and when with that Lala costume came out, it was incredibly, oh, my God, this is just it still works. It felt mm. still so... Everything mm. you said, Coy, mm. it still felt relevant and modern. And so Nick dressed up in it and we did this test. I, let's watch it, shall we? It almost goes up in flame after about uh, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> One day in Teletubby land, Lala decided to give all the other Teletubbies a big hug. Wow! Big, big hug! Yay, big, big hug! <laughs> just say that that has been shortened that there is an opening shot on that where the camera moves and <laughs> it's coming at a later point but that was part of the thing we had to prove yeah. to you guys that the cameras could move around within that environment yeah. i think that was the amazing thing as well as a performer you can't tell there that they in the studio in the green screen yeah. studio they'd built all these domes for me to run around on in costume yeah. and next to all of these green domes was this disc world-esque kind of model mm -hmm. 
And basically, they, the camera was moving and everything, and they were, they were filming me on the green screen and then doing the exact same movements in miniature on this model. And instead of it going away to these clever people for weeks and they do that, they were mixing it live in the studio. And, and that's when it kind of everyone it was going to work. Oh, yeah. my goodness, that looks so good. Yeah. Mm. And that was like literally kind of seconds, yeah. you know, film that, film that, mix it. Uh, and it, it and I think the way away. we often say is if you think of an eight and a half or nine foot Teletubby wandering around, leaping up and down on a three centimetre hill, that's fundamentally what, uh, what happens. But it was the integrity of being able to get four performers working together um, and giving you that kind of human aspect that I, I was always terrified we would lose in CGI because you send off a beautiful script to the depths of the CGI world where it's largely men with big trousers up here. Um, and then three months later, it comes back and you lose that interaction between the four characters. And just watching you... Um, that day, you realise that the humans would be able to interact, you would be able to rehearse, and you get that just extraordinary feeling of warmth between the Teletubbies themselves, which I think is at the heart of the show, mm -hmm. 20 years ago and now. Yeah. Um, so when uh, you were brought on board, uh, Billy and Maddie, you uh, must have had to go through a process of deciding what to add and what to keep and what to take away. Yeah, I mean, I thought of that earlier when you were asking, you know, why do you think, um, what are the key elements that... We really struggled to find anything in the, in the original, and you've seen that from the, t uh, the title sequence, that still didn't feel relevant to today. And it was, it was a clean sweep that every time we looked at the windmill, we did do a bit of a refresh on the design of it, but everything through the tummies that you'll all be familiar with... Um, there was everything that Teletubby said, the key props. There was no reason to change anything. And um, we were very sensitive about being true to the original without any doubt. But it was very easy to be true to the original mm. because we loved it all. Um, and I think, again, one of the uh, very early conversations we had with the DHX guys was the fact that we did a huge big list of everything that we wanted to keep in original Teletubbies, and it was everything. And I was sort of waiting to see whether you guys felt, oh, well, no, I think time to have a different type of prop and maybe not the handbag. And, and we were so in sync with how we all respected massively the wonderful work of Anne and Andy. And actually, all our job was, was to do a refresh. It made it very easy. I think the other great thing was that people had grown up with it. And a lot of the people like um, uh, Rob Harvey from Lola Special Effects, well, he's got, a, he's got an Oscar for Gladiator, but he was the guy who put the blossom on that tree. And the reason people were very happy to come and work was their kids had mm. grown up with it. So we had this huge array of feature film people coming, and, and we were saying, oh, we're working on the till, and they said, oh, no, that's great. And so they pushed the techniques. You know, they were coming off uh, Star Wars and going, oh, yeah, well, we were doing something like that, and, and oh, that's different, you know, Simon, uh, D.O.P. Oh, he's trying to do it this way. Oh, that's an advance on that. And you suddenly got this bizarre world where you have feature films from Pinewood, and, and the Teletubbies in Twickenham cross-fertilising. It was absolutely extraordinary. Um, and uh, I, I guess we should just go back a second. Um, were, what were your fears? Did you have any fears when, when you knew that it was coming to come back? I think it's about getting it right because it is so loved now. I mean, it'd be, it's almost like the reverse. You, what I didn't want was sort of a whole load of negative publicity around mm. something 
that is so loved that, you know, if, if we got it wrong. Um, and I felt very strongly it should, you know, if Teletubbies was going to come back and be refreshed, remade, um, made relevant to the audience today because of, you know, the fact that it, it wasn't, you know, it was four by three, it wasn't HD, there, there was a danger that it was going to be lost mm. for, for um, the current audience. But, you know, what I didn't want was a whole load of headlines, a bit like, you know, the, the furore that you had in, in, in the beginning. Um, but actually, I think, as we said, that day when, when you could actually see it in front of you, um, you know, and I needed convincing. We had a lot of phone calls, didn't we, Stephen? A lot we of did. phone calls, a lot did. of meetings. We spoke, I mean, because obviously I knew Billy and Maddie because they were making Topsy and Tim for me at the time, which, you know, hugely successful. But this was a massive challenge and a massive responsibility, mm. um, not, not just to the original um, team, but also, I think, to today's audience. But it remains as popular as ever, and I'm absolutely delighted with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, once, as are the audience. Um, once Kay and we'd agreed we were going to go to that next step and produce it, there were so many choices then to make about how the production um, was going to happen that were so important that we didn't get wrong, uh, whether, we, whether they were about casting Teletubbies, uh, casting a new baby for the baby son, um, the voice talent we were going to use, and um, most important of, of all was the, was the scripting. Mm. And um, Kay had said, you know, that she was looking for the pace to be um, faster than the original series, and the episodes were going to be shorter, 15 minutes. Mm. And um, that was, I think, you know, the biggest responsibility of all was to not get mm -hmm. those, not to get the scripts, um, not to mess it up at mm. the script stage. That was so, so crucial. And we have uh, Catherine Williams, who's here today, who wrote all of our 120 episodes. And Catherine and I worked hugely closely. And although um, we, well, I'm not at all in the league of Andy and Anne, we realised quite quickly why they had worked the way they had with one person writing everything. Actually, if you take a series like this and you work it in a way we'd normally run our shows with a number of script writers, it was very, very hard to keep that continuity mm. of language and pace. And it was easier just to do it with, um, with two brains, really. So that was a very, very long process. Having read, we read all 365 scripts and watched every single episode before we began, really. And um, a lot of the original scripts were reused. Yeah, they the were. Way. Yeah, we found there were so many that were just yeah. fantastic and that still we as relevant. We to spoke our to audience. Andy. Yeah, they were, and reused the scripts. And in the uh, the recent sixty um, episodes that began today, those are all new. Um, everything's brand new in the recent sixty. Right. Um, Actually, I have a small bone to pick with you, uh, Billy. Oh. Um, I. Did, I wrote a big feature for The Guardian um, where you promised me that everything was exactly faithful uh, and I, I told all The Guardian readers that it, nothing was changed and then two episodes in the Tiddlytubbies arrived <laughs> and I was blindsided. Um, so what was, what was, the, uh, what was the genesis of, of those? Well, it's kind of going back 20 years and the Teletubbies 20 years on or 18 years on, seemed so grown up. And we had uh, made a, a small series called Baby Jake. And we thought it'd be really interesting to see the Teletubbies caring, because um, we'd seen a lot of three and four-year-olds with their one-year-olds. 
um, and Maddie's kids as well. And so it just seemed to be quite sweet to see the bigger Teletubbies, the traditional ones. There they are. With the tiddly tubbies. And then that was also great for the technical guys because we said, well, okay, you've got a real Teletubby in its costume. You're now going to be interacting with a complete mm -hmm. CGI uh, baby. And that was, um, all the feature film guys were like, yeah, we can, we'll have a go at that, we can do that. But it was, it, there were big choices to make and yeah. a lot of discussions with Kay and with Michael Towner at mm -hmm. CBeebies um, about the choices that we were making about what could be new in the new series. And um, Tiddly Tubbies was one of those choices. So was the custard train. Mm. There were certain things. Um, but I think Tiddly Tubbies was probably the most um, completely new, mm. whereas the custard train was an extension yeah. of the wonderful Tubby Custard um, machine. Um, but Tiddly Tubbies... Uh, was just, how, how can we do something new that isn't expected? I think that's what we were trying to do and um, just felt relevant yeah, for now. absolutely. Um, what's, what's sort of the mythology of them? Are they the Teletubbies children? Or are they, they just, they live? They're just little tiddly tubbies that have their own playroom that they enjoy hanging out in. Good, I'll, I'll tell my son. He was and, uh, yeah, we should, we should probably talk. Um, I know, Nick, you've got to be somewhere else quite soon. Uh, you've got another appointment in town. So, uh, actually, we'll do that first, and then we can, so you've got time. Uh, at the heart of it, as everyone was saying, is that the performances, the, uh, the sort of the human performer-led um, aspect of it. Could, could either of you talk me through sort of the basic mechanics of the, uh, of the performance? I don't know how different New York... I've never seen your Ooh, costume. <laughs> they, they were built exactly the yeah. same. Were they? Because we went through lots of... Um, like our first generation, Nicky Lines, was, was really... you know. I remember them shaving away bits as we went through the years, over the six years. But, um, you know, we ended up just using um, Mechies, which were just uh, bicycle brakes. In fact, there's lots of bike bike bits. There's a saddle, a bike saddle. Do you still have the bike saddle? exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and a helmet, so it's, <laughs> it's like riding a bike. Um, um, In the right yeah. hand. Uh, yeah, I got very strong hands. Yeah, so you just, this is the blinking hand. Yeah. So I just have this sort of involuntary movement, of my, which I can do constantly while I'm chatting. And this is my <laughs> hand. Yeah, you just do this. So if you look carefully, a bit of that going on. And you see out of <laughs> yeah. the Teletubbies' mouth. Yeah, I don't know. Is, is that the same then? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. I know there are other costume characters where there's somebody else no. No. operating, which is a different world. It was very yeah. much a key choice that the way they moved should be um, have that same tactile, um, uh, you know, the ability for the performer to be delivering everything mm. and not a second person. And we were very aware that that's how it had been run originally and we're totally key on the low-tech side of it, even though it was a very high-tech show. Oh, yeah. yeah the elastic way bands the kept snapping all, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we had, loads of that. But, Nick, you know, Nikki had the original moulds, and that's how we, what we based it all on, were exactly how yeah, the original yeah. costumes were. The key of not having, the key of having break wires to do the eyes and the mouths is it gives the, gives the control back to the performers mm. so that you don't get this mis mismatch between the technology and the emotion that the performers are trying to convey and I think both of you are extraordinary I mean you in, in a way you were the first kind of athlete performers because if you look at Teletubbies from 20 years ago and the the current actors I mean you're 
Bistan in Star Wars, and the UK is really well known for its costume actors and performers against blue screen. So actually, it seemed to be probably 20 years ago you started it. I don't know about that. Kind of, I think it's kind of developed techniques have kind of developed as performers. Because uh, when, when, uh, when we were learning kind of how to do this kind of performance, I remember we were trained by a lady called Elsa, who's the movement director for all of the uh, Doctor Who creatures. And um, she had us kind of um, in masks that, where we could only see out of like a letterbox. And we couldn't really breathe. And she'd make us play basketball. <laughs> or uh, we'd have like a periscope in front of our eyes. So our eyes were up here. And she'd make us play croquet and stuff like that. And so you're missing things all the time. Or creating an obstacle course in a room with stepladders and chairs. And you walk it so you can see. And then you close your eyes. And you have to do exactly the same route all the way around the room. So the, I, I think over the years, there's been techniques that have developed to help you as a performer. Well, well, well this is this interesting, because kind of the chap who they brought in to train us was, the, was Johnny, the little bald guy in the Benny Hill comedy. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you uh, remember. But you know the guy who's... No. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was a vaudevillian. And because at the time, we didn't know what the costumes were going to be like. So literally, they had us jumping doing acrobatics and trampettes. They had us literally climbing on top of each other, doing on each other's shoulders. They, I think they really thought that was possible. <laughs> and then the costumes arrived and we could barely breathe. <laughs> so, so, so that's interesting. Yeah. That 20, I mean, God love him. I don't know where this chap is, but Johnny, Johnny, uh, who was quite a famous uh, vaudeville yeah. performer yeah. Uh, from Benny Hill, yeah. apparently he could still do a standing backflip yeah. in his 70s. Yeah, he, he must have that been that age that when, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was lovely to meet him, but we didn't mm. use any of his work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Nick, Dipsy is really sort of, oh, well, all of the telescopes, some of the most recognisable um, creations probably globally. Uh, was it daunting to sort of step into a, a role that had already existed? Uh, yes and no. It was daunting for about, um, I don't know, the first few days. But then Billy and Maddie kind of said, OK, this is a huge responsibility, but forget all of that. And right from day one, I remember both of you just encouraged us to have as much fun as possible. Uh, and so I, I take them literally. Uh, I, if you want them to have fun, I'll have fun. <laughs> and I trust um, you know, um, our fantastic producer, Fiona, and our fantastic director, Jack, um, to, to kind of guide us, basically. We're there just to, what a brilliant job. You come in every day and you're, you're paid to play like a child <laughs> and have fun. Who doesn't want to do that? So all we have to do is do that and then trust the people that are guiding us. And, and you know, they're, they're watching. Kay, I believe that you were watching stuff that was coming back from the studio as well. Yep. So all the way along this process, I just have to trust these guys and, and just have fun, which is a, a great job. You did very well. <laughs> Do, do you think you've brought anything new to the to the role? Um, let's have a think. <laughs> <laughs> a, a new way of getting my hat on because uh, <laughs> I, I'm a lot shorter than John that played Dipsy originally, and and he could reach his head with the hat, and my arms just aren't long enough. So there were certain there were certain <laughs> technical problems that we had to kind of create for new. Um, there's there's few little character mm. traits that I just started doing on set. Uh, and again, kind of Maddie or, or Fiona would kind of go, oh, that, that's great, just do that again. Do it. We like that. So basically, if, if, um, because, because I could hear the gallery um, in my earpiece, because we can, we can hear 
Jack provoking us as director. <laughs> so I can, I can hear people giggling, basically. And so if, if part of my clown training is that if um, make people laugh, just do it again. Just do it again. Just keep doing it until they stop laughing. <laughs> because then you've gone too far. <laughs> so, so it's just it's just about being aware of as whilst you're wrapped up in this huge costume, of still being as aware as possible of what the other performers are doing uh, and what the response is. Because Jack and the gallery were kind of our audience. So if, if it was making them laugh, if it was making us laugh, it might make the audience at home laugh. We hope, kind of thing. Great. Um, I, you, well, we've got 10 more minutes. Do you want to hang around until, until you've got a shoot? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, well, we'll go back and talk more about the sort of the behind the scenes, sort of the advances we, we touched on earlier um, with the, the miniatures. I remember when I, when I went to the office um, to interview you, that you were showing me samples of tiny flowers and uh, some had been printed and some were real. And it was just incredible. What, how? I guess is the question. How did that all come about? That was kind of down, down to our brilliant designer, Ant, and to Rachel and the team, which is again coming out of the brilliant UK art colleges uh, and the costume teams from the fashion colleges. Um, but it was a mixture of, uh, there were 60,000 flowers on the, the model, um, of which 40,000 were laser printed, um, and 20,000 were tiny little flowers that had been meticulously cut off and placed. But before we even got to flowers, we had months and months of discussions about grass. And you know more about grass than I know. Yeah, so the best grass in the world uh, comes from people who make it for train sets in Germany. Yes. And Ant, bless him, and our director of photography, Simon, spent a lot of time in a massive studio in Twickenham testing the light on various samples. Um, and the Americans said they did the best grass in the world, but it was an absolute lie. And uh, <laughs> so we then got 260 packs because they will only do grass in these squares because they're for model railway sets. Um, and we got 90% uh, of their normal dye plus 10% of yellow uh, gave us the meadow feel, and then bizarrely, there are three types on a, a hair-cutting shaver, and setting one was grass, normal kind of lawn, setting one and a half was in the rough, and setting two was a meadow. So when you see the model, uh, a guy has gone over that with a pair of clippers, <laughs> and those three, those three sizes equate to ordinary lawn, the rough, and full-blown meadow. Um, what, uh, I mean, to really get into the, the, the technicality of it, camera movements and uh, the setup, how, how does that all put together? <laughs> That's a really. There's, there's basically a, a camera called a Milo, which is like a V2 rocket. Uh, and then there is a, a camera that tracks their movement, which is NCAM. Um, and then you use the, the model and the previs, which is the mix at the same time to get the pacing of the Teletubbies and the performance. Um, and then you're matching plates and it goes to the VFX guys to smooth out, you know, uh, if the new new is shot off out of frame. Um, and then it's a question of mathematics and algorithms, which I know nothing about. Yeah, there was an awful lot of maths yeah. on the show, a huge amount of people calculating, and we had some extraordinary pieces of equipment on that set with people working out 
to, you know, you can imagine with a model of that size and with that, that amount of model, um, with that amount of domes that you guys were leaping all over, <coughs> how that had to be broken down and a lot of prep, you know, Jack, our director, you know, amazing amount of incredible detailed preparation to make sure that every single shot was going to work at all steps all the way down the line and a lot of post-production to get that to work together. The cleverest thing, which is easy to understand, is that there were three types of blue screen dome and they had the same gradient as there's actually only three types of hills in the model. So that there, there's 40 something of them, but they're arranged in groups that are all uh, very easily reflected in the, the kind of two meter blue screen hills. And it's because they've all got the same gradient that they're easily matched up. And the basically dome <laughs> formations became very, very key to succeeding with the schedule because we would know that the Teletubbies were performing for certain shots on a certain dome configuration and formation to match a certain model shot. So we would know that we were doing 12 scenes over two days with those dome configurations so that the domes weren't coming in and out all of the time. So, you know, not only did we have to work out, we, we knew we'd got to be efficient because at the end of the day, um, it's all great technology, but it's got to work in the TV world. And I'm sure in the feature film world, they've got plenty of time to remove it and mm. spend days over it. It had to work um, like clockwork within a TV schedule so that we were finished on time and delivering on time. And you know, a, a day of doing this sort of work over what's in our budget, we can't afford to do. So it was yeah. you know, down to the, the last minute, literally, we used all our time. But, but I think the thing for me is that it's a fascinating combination of the truly high tech and, and the relatively low-tech or, or stuff that's been going on for ages. Ma using models in motion pictures is, is a very old technology, mm -hmm. now, even to the extent that we're making those little flowers. So some of them are 3D printed, for example. Um, but it's that combination of these two things, and to go back to what uh, Billy was saying and Maddie, is that it's that human element of performance combined with the technology mm -hmm. that kind of creates this, this bit of magic. And it's, mm -hmm. I, I never get tired no. of watching that uh, video where it kind of unmasks the, 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 the technology a little bit and you see in the end that, yeah. that result and uh, which you understand why it transports people. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, coming back as well to what we were saying earlier, I, you know, our key through all of this, we knew it was not going to be a straightforward production um, behind the scenes, but our whole vision was to make a show that ultimately when you watched it, you couldn't see all of that. And I, and I think the team have been incredibly Amazing. successful at yeah. doing that, that you don't watch the new series, it doesn't get in the way um, of your viewing experience. Yeah, it's no. totally hidden. And that um, was the plan. It's, it's half past, so oh. I know you've got somewhere to, to be. So if everyone could just give Nick a round of applause. Thank you so much for showing up. Okay, now he's gone. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have some props uh, on the stage um, that I think we should, someone should talk us through. Um, they are the each, each Teletubby's um, main prop. Yeah, so we have Dipsy's hat, mm -hmm. Lala's ball, Poe's scooter, and Tinky Winky's um, bag, uh, which are um, their favourite um, favourite things that they they regularly like to play with, and uh, the same as the original series. The only thing we changed was the colourway of the scooter, which I think in the original series was 
blue and pink. And you can see why we didn't blue get the blue. And reddish, yeah. We had to lose blue for obvious reasons, mm. <laughs> and um, uh, and same of course the, the new new has changed colour. Yeah, and the new new has changed colour for exactly oh. the same reason that. Otherwise, we, you wouldn't see him against blue. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that was probably the uh, only change. The they're all modelled on the originals that were all beautifully kept in storage, and there was nothing to change about any of them. They were all wonderful. That is a newly made bag to match identically the original bag. Wow, mm. and they all the each um, prop has a, a a role, a sort of an educational role. Is that right? I read somewhere that the bag was to show volume. Mm. Is that? Oh, <laughs> wow! Boy, Am I the only one who's been I reading don't Wikipedia? Remember I don't remember that. Don't, oh. I don't remember that. I all, all I know is I never I never wore a helmet when I was a scooter twenty yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they so, uh, health and safety's changed a bit over twenty years. <laughs> but they, um, they gave these these toys um, as I as I think of them for the Teletubbies mm. were you know huge um, a huge opportunity for story. There were so many things whether it's Tinky Winky's bag that when opened was, you know, a bottomless pit of what could come out mm, of it, adder. or an episode with, um, I'm talking now about the current series where um, Poe had a watering can and suddenly everything was double the size, triple the size, oversized mm. things, you know, the, it was um, a pleasure to sit down when we were starting to storyline the episodes, to write episodes which were about their favourite things, um, that was one of the episodes. I remember it well. Mm. <laughs> it, goes, it goes back to what Andy was saying about peekaboo oh, yeah. and disappearing, and that's you know a key part for any one and a half year old. Yeah. Uh, another big aspect of the the new series are the uh, the big names that you have on the voice talent. Uh, was it? Oh, there they are now. Um, was it? easy to get them having Teletubbies being such a sort of a recognizable show and the characters being so recognizable was did you have to do a lot of convincing to get people involved uh, I think um, most people I mean tell it's such a gift Teletubbies is you know everybody wants to be involved in something that sh which is such an iconic brand and a lot of the time the only difficulties were people's schedules yeah. but um, uh, I think Jim Broadbent was one of the first people to sign up for it and to agree to do it and actually whether the fact that Jim was attached to it swung everybody else I don't know but I think mm. Jim and Fern and then it and Jane Horrocks actually yeah. was um, amazing as the tubby phone which yes. is a new element that's been brought in and I think it's very early days Kay, when we mentioned that we'd quite like Daniel Rigby mm. to be the narrator and um, I think we'd both it, it was not long after he'd done his amazing Eric and Ernie mm. performance yes. and we'd both seen Which that we'd both seen, yeah. and I'd heard him do a bit of voice work as well and thought yeah. oh god he'd be just great yeah. and he he really has been yeah he's been fantastic. and yeah I love Jim Broadbent so when they yeah. came and said we've got these people it was fantastic and also it was because of his grandkids and then mm. Rochelle and Fern with their yes. kids and David Walliams Mm. Uh, yeah, they nearly really all brought their children range. down to yeah. that. You know, it was yeah. um, lovely. Um, I guess we're going to open up for um, uh, some questions in a minute, but I think before we should do that, we should talk about the, uh, I guess, the footprint that Teletubbies has created. Mm. Um, it's it's been spoofed. Mm. Uh, in, it was on the the Simpsons. Yeah. Is that right? As the Teletubbies, or as a, as a sort of a copyright 
abbreviated. I can't remember whether on the telly. I think they were yeah, on, the on the telly. telly yeah. yeah. You know. yeah. They're incorporated into one of the episodes yeah. of The Simpsons, but there have been tons of uh, uh, yeah, pop cultural references yeah. to it, but also fans and pirates from around the world yeah. and satirists and so mm -hmm. on. Uh, recently, there's the Ed Sheeran video that mm -hmm. we were talking about, which has some 25 million views yeah. on YouTube. Um, and I think, again, this is one of the things that we've certainly looked at uh, from not only from the broadcast side in terms of you know, continued placement of the new series, but also the management of all of those, uh, uh, all of the existing episodes, and just monitoring what else is is uh, going on in the rest of the world with the mm. with the Teletubbies. It has, it has never really gone out of fashion. It mm. comes up yeah. up and down. Yeah, and it's, it's a, everybody knows it. So you know, it's a reference that everybody will understand. I uh, they, um, I, I got a call to. They wanted them in the, you know, the version of the play that went wrong that was on the yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Nah, um, I think probably one of my favourites, though, is the uh, Bridesmaids in the Vicar of Dibley. <laughs> oh, gosh. That was one of my favourites. Teletubbies Bridesmaids? Yeah. And uh, we have some, uh, I've got some on my sheet of papers, just some of the statistics about what, what Teletubbies has done. It's uh, 50 million toys sold, uh, a million DVDs. The first... Um, Western show to be sold to China, Western kids show to be sold to China. Uh, absolutely, and uh, again, that's, I think, some 15 years ago. The, the interesting thing is Teletubbies is hugely well-known in China, and we've had a, a really interesting developing China business, uh, and everywhere we go, we talk about our catalogue of, of, of properties, but it's Shan Shan Bao Bao, as it's known <laughs> in China, that everybody knows, and as soon as you say that, they go, oh, yes, the Teletubbies, <laughs> they know it. Um, but that's, again, part of what we're doing is rolling out the Teletubbies to the rest of the world. It's uh, on air in uh, uh, dozens of countries already. Um, one of the interesting things for us, and it's a very different television landscape. We talked a little bit about yeah. this earlier. Very di different television landscape than 20 years ago. Obviously, the world has gone from a linear to an on-demand world. And th that's what traditional broadcasters are competing with. But um, one of the interesting things as broadcasters, traditional broadcasters, kind of scramble to figure out how they keep their audience, one of the things we pointed out, particularly to broadcasters in, say, the US um, uh, and some of the European territories, is they're not generally programming to the younger end of the audience. And when we first talked to them about new episodes of Teletubbies, they said no. We went back to them with the statistics from YouTube to say, but in your territory, there are tens of millions of views of not only this show, but many other shows that target younger preschoolers. And if you don't start to program to these kids at their first experiences uh, of watching media of television is on another platform, you probably lose them forever. Mm. That turned out to be not only true, but a reasonably good sales pitch for some of those <laughs> broadcasters. So we've had uh, excellent placement uh, worldwide. Um, and, but again, it's a different media landscape, so not only is it on television, but we also manage it across all of those other uh, on-demand platforms and try and make Teletubbies available wherever kids are. And of course, the other, the other things, the toys uh, and so on, there's not so much of a DVD business as there once mm. was, of course, um, but uh, toys and all of the other iterations of the Teletubbies are you know, currently making their way mm. around the world. Yeah, and we've obviously got uh, Teletubbies game as part of our online offering and it's mm. part of the uh, CBBS apps. So yeah, that's we got me through a lot of meals. Oh, out. Good. Yeah, Excellent. well, we'd have had meltdowns if it wasn't for that. Mm -hmm. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> endlessly uh, 
We're grateful for that. Um, so, uh, questions. If anybody has any questions, we have a couple of roving microphones. Uh, ah, at the back there. Yes, I um, produced and directed many of the inserts that came up on their tummies way, way, way back. And um, I just learned so much from Anne Wood about the pacing, the slow pacing, and the sort of meticulousness of voice, the voiceovers of the child to what was the image. Um, so, so much care. And I just wondered, um, is that still part of the programme now? The bit that yes. comes up on the yes, on the, um... absolutely. I think it's always really important. Um, those of us who've come through um, years of working in preschool programming, that pacing is really, really important, and the timing. And you know, I learned from lots of people, and obviously I've worked with Anne on other shows as well. But um, yes, absolutely, it remains very important because, as Poi was saying, you've you've got to allow the child that time to process and then respond. And it might seem like a long time to an adult, but you have to remember that these are children who are learning and developing. So yes, very much important. And, and we, um, we are also redoing some of those in different territories. So for example, in China, it's one of the easiest ways to kind of make a locally relevant version of the Teletubbies is to simply take those pieces and redo them in a way that is, uh, uh, is appropriate for a, a local audience, is recognizable. Uh, even though many of the themes in them are quite universal anyway, uh, trying to make it relevant locally, that's been uh, a key opportunity. Any other questions? It's all the background at the moment. Um, I'm, um, I'm working on the live show and developing the live show at the moment, and um, I'm really interested in that question, the, the particular the relationship of... Um, why, why we go to the tummy tales? I, I'd just like to know what, what actually is happening there in terms of that relationship. Because I've kind of concluded it's giving the children back their world. And I just hear you talk about relevance there. And I thought, okay, that's what it's for. But is there some sort of deeper Amwood reason that I don't know? I mean, my understanding has always been that um, it was the opportunity for the Teletubbies to um, share in children's lives with children. So it threw it back to the audience and the Teletubbies were enthralled and enjoyed watching an experience that children had. And then for you at home, you recognised yourself in those situations, in those stories, and delighted in the fact that the Teletubbies enjoyed your world too. So it was an exchange um, and we the all the inserts that we filmed were very much filmed with that in mind, that they were, um, all of the episodes in the new series are themed and the insert in the tummy reflects whatever the um, craziness has been within Teletubby land. Um, and it's that moment where the Teletubbies are peaceful and watch what's going on in your, your world. Okay, thank you. That's really helpful. I also think I th also think it's a bit like the round window and the arch window yeah. and the square window. I think as much as we were moving on mm. right, progress, yeah. I still yeah. think we owe you know Absolutely. a lot of our preschools still it's back to the play the, yeah. the play schools. I think that connection is still important. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, uh, Stephen. Uh, you talked about the on-demand audience being increasingly important. 
for Teletubbies. To, to what extent did you actually pay homage to that in terms of, is this just a TV show now, which also has an on-demand audience, or have you delivered some specific digital iterations or other things which aren't seen on television? Well, I, I guess um, we're in an era where nothing can just be a television show anymore. They exist across, uh, uh, across all platforms at the same time. So certainly there, we are creating other little bits and pieces of content. Um, and, 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 and the other thing is, you know, if you look at what kids are watching on YouTube, you'll see everything from toy unboxing videos, which of course, there are people out making Teletubby toy unboxing videos, for example, and it's all, I think for a, for a child, um, it, it's, it's all, it, it's, it's all of, you know, on a continuum for them. Uh, and, and pretty hard to discern, I mean, for a kid between, an, uh, sometimes between an unboxing video and, uh, and, and, a, and a television show. Um, so yes, we are doing other pieces of content, uh, and not just on Teletubbies. I mean, it's interesting to get the kind of insights you get uh, about what children are watching from the things that they choose to watch on YouTube. Of course, in this age range, it's more likely that their, their parents or grandparents or siblings are choosing things. So, um, so, what, so that's why I think we see the, the, the huge viewership of Teletubbies and In the Night Garden and some of the other shows um, on, um, on, on YouTube. Any other questions? Oh, in the front. Um, Kay, you spoke earlier about how initially the Teletubbies got a very hostile reaction. I was just wondering if you ever considered pulling the plug before it did gain momentum and started to be recognised. Do, do you mean pulling the plug when uh, this offer came in? No, no, or I mean, mean back in the day when it initially well, happened. It was, I mean, I was an incredibly, you know, this is 20 years ago, I was a very junior member of the department and Anna was my boss, you know, so it was certainly not up to me. Um, my my uh, eldest son was three at the time, so I was, I was very much a, sort of a young parent and actually quite um, uh, grateful for Teletubbies. But um, no, I mean... Anna, I don't know. Did you ever consider pulling the plug? I didn't. No. Other did. <laughs> I didn't, but no. um, I think there were other people in the BBC mm -hmm. um, who probably did, um, yeah. because it, it was very much not understood by an awful lot of people in the BBC. I mean, they really... The senior management of the BBC um, never took a great deal of interest in children's programmes, but most of it they understood. But... When, when they saw it. But, I mean, this was just so completely different. Mm. And the press reaction was yeah. so hostile yeah. that there was a lot of pressure. Yeah. But, no, we were going to keep it having No, and I think we have a, we have a history of, of standing by, by what we've done. Indeed. And we do break new ground a lot. In, you know, I mean, just a, a brief example is Rastamouse. I, I, when I, I commissioned that, and, and there was a huge hostile reaction to that, and I, you know, people kept saying to me, are you going to pull it, are you going to pull it? And I said, no, I'm not, because I've learned from Anna. But also, you stand I mean, by what you've done. But, but the thing was that Anne and Andy were so sure yeah. of the basis on yes. which it was created yeah. that they had the answers. Yes. Um, and so, you know, one knew one was, was standing on, on firm ground. But, um, you know, it, there was a lot of pressure. But I have to say that at the beginning, at the very, very beginning, when I was presented um, with the original drawings, I really didn't know what I was looking at. I mean, I, but I just knew instinctively that there was yeah. something there. And it, but it was so vague when we started, in the, the early, early stages of commissioning it, 
And um, it's interesting that it's now short, shorter because mm -hmm. Anne desperately wanted to make it a short show. She wanted a 15-minute show. Um, but we couldn't, we needed to fill the time and we hadn't got the money and what have you. So um, much against her better judgment, she, ex she, she agreed to extend it and, and repeat, yes. Yeah. And the, the repetition element of that show is, was hugely, hugely important, obviously. Mm. Um, and the timing and all the things. I mean, seeing it, the new version, I mean, it is so similar and the timing is so similar and yet the techniques are mm. completely yeah. and utterly yeah. different. Well, I mean, today, there's just no way we could have afforded, um, you know, the budget to... I mean, it was literally on location. Was it Wiltshire? Or, yeah, it was, was it Wiltshire? Warwickshire. 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 So, you know, that was built. You know, just... We could have so, shot it in a better climate, say, Canada. <laughs> British, UK. <laughs> Get rain delays in Canada as well. <laughs> That's Fantastic. Oh, you have my so, phone ready. Brilliant. I'm quite interested to know about how um, sort of children's media can help develop children's skills and enhance their education. Um, so could you explain a little bit about how the Teletubbies can sort of help children to develop these sort of skills? I think the key one is why it was such a success in the first place, which is you've got four characters who work, play, laugh, and have fun together. So it's back to your point of, you know, meaningfulness has suddenly become the, you know, the last year, year and a half has become an absolute watchword for education uh, for the under fives. And that was absolutely ingrained from the series when it started 20 years ago. But, and, and but I think my understanding is it was never an education show and that was very much the conversations that we had in the early days of talking about doing more of them. That it, you know, the, it, it's about emotional learning um, is the, the number. Stages. Yes, exactly. Um, there's, there's a lot more, you know, the, the stages of a child's development aren't just about learning, you know, alphabets or numbers. You know, there's, it, and I think that emotional um, learning is, is just as important. And, and Andy's background was very much child psychology, speech development, and it's much more subtle. Um, and the, I know that in the original uh, research, they spent hours and hours and hours watching children play, observing children. Um, and, and that's why it works, because the audience see themselves reflected back, and that's very, very empowering. So then, you know, this is obviously for very young children. And that's, that's the important thing. It's, it's not teaching them their letters or numbers, but it is teaching them, um, you know, it's about, you know, for want of a better phrase, you know, working together or, or having building fun, confidence. building confidence, laughing. You know, teaching a child a sense of humour is, is terribly important. You know, anticipation and prediction, all of those kind of things. And I think Catherine and I, when we were going through this process of going and reading um, all those original scripts, were enchanted by the way um, they were underpinned by sharing, um, you know, a, an episode more than one um, about very simple skills that yeah. are very important. Yeah, things for yeah. the first time. Exactly. And all I, of I, that's really, really important. But one of the things that I think Ragdoll did a really great job of, and they're really pioneers at it, was, uh, was showing episodes to kids and having a camera on top of the television watching the kids while they reacted and then adjusting what they were doing mm -hmm. based on that. And, and, uh, and yeah, I think that, that comes through in many of the things that they've, uh, yeah. that they've produced. And it's why these things, who cares what the adults say? 
they resonate with yeah. kids. And that's where they got the timing from. That's right. They'd, watch child, they'd test with children and then they would adjust the show accordingly. So it all goes back to the audience. It's focused on the audience. It's focused on the children. And that's why these programs work. Okay, great. Uh, just, I just have one more question before we uh, sort of wrap things up. And I, I, I suspect you might all have very different answers. This is the 20th anniversary of um, Teletubbies. Uh, where, where do you see the Teletubbies in another 20 years? Well, it's shot in 4K, so they'll definitely be around. <laughs> um, and that was the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think, to the point we were just discussing, there's the, the, you've got four wonderful characters working and playing together, and the key is the laughter. Um, and the love, less of the wibbly bottoms. I don't um, see any of those themes as changing. Um, those themes are going to resonate in childhoods as they do globally at the moment in so many different cultures. I, I honestly societies. still think they'll be there delighting and entertaining and engaging with the audience and, and most importantly, making them laugh. I think they'll have a new big show. <laughs> <laughs> I think 20 years ago, they, they established themselves. I think they're already there. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, thank you, everybody. Thank you for coming. And thank you to the panel.